Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Over Manga Cast. That time we woke up in a podcast and had to explain manga, our heated adventures, overanalyzing manga that we find interesting. But alas, I must inform you that in this coming month, there is no manga. We decided to take a break. And by take a break, I mean subject ourselves to great misery because it's time no read November. In no read November, we are watching instead of reading. And because we hate ourselves, we're watching live action anime and manga adaptations. And this week, I regret to inform you that my suggestion of watching the live action Full Metal Alchemist movie uh, got past the board, so uh, hopefully our misery gives you entertainment to make up for equivalent exchange, and enjoy the episode. Yeah, welcome everyone to uh, this episode of the Over Manga Cast. My name is Sam. Here at the top of the show, we talk about our familiarity with the franchise that we're discussing today. Uh, I actually have something to say this time. It's weird, I know. Uh, I watched Full Metal Alchemist 2003 and Brotherhood basically uh, succinctly. Uh, succinctly? Uh, no. Uh, one after the other. Honestly? One after the other. Uh, a few years ago, I greatly loved both of them. I keep meaning to track down the manga. I promise I will one day. But so far, all I know is the anime, though I do know it uh, fairly well, having seen it recently. Jake, how about you? Okay, so Jacob here. I have a bit of a weird relationship with Full Metal Alchemist. It is absolutely my style of story. I love the characters, but I can never get into it. I remember watching Full Metal Alchemist 2003 when it was coming out and absolutely loving it so much. But then I just, for whatever reason, get bored with it and I, I cannot tell you why. I tracked down the manga, I own a bunch of the manga, and I read what I had, but I just, it falls off my radar every time. It's so consistent that I really don't feel like it's just me randomly wandering onto other things. But like... I love it. Why does do I keep bouncing off of it? I don't understand. It's fine, Jake. We all have bad tastes sometimes. <laughs> well, some of us. Yeah. <laughs> Matt here. So I've watched all of the Full Metal Alchemist anime. Uh, it's really good. Why I could ever be convinced to watch the live action movie for some reason. I don't know how this entire thing happened. <laughs> you can't tell, but Matt's glaring at me right now. This was my suggestion for No Watch November. <laughs> How about you, Jay? So similarly, I watched all of Full Metal Alchemist 2003. I think I actually got only about halfway through that before I picked up Brotherhood. And I remember watching all of Brotherhood. I've not read any of the manga. So that is my familiarity. I was really excited to watch this. And yes, this is not, as you might expect, 2003 or Brotherhood. This was the live action adaptation on Netflix which begins strangely, strangely is a word for it, because we have the camera sweeping in on a picturesque house in the middle of a field, a woman hanging... Uh, in the middle of an obviously green screen field. <laughs> with, with a woman hanging a... Uh, doing laundry. Doing laundry, doing laundry. And then horror movie cut to inside with uh, an alchemy circle and some random tools in it. <laughs> 
Are, are we just skipping over the fact that within 30 seconds of this movie starting, the mom just dies? We were getting to that. Yeah, <laughs> like, we were up to that. Well, we're already so many minutes into this episode and we haven't even established... 30 seconds into this movie, the mom dies of mysterious I-need-to-die-to-motivate-main-character death. <laughs> so, obviously, obviously the live action is operating off of watchers, viewers, working knowledge of... Could have fooled me. <laughs> Which working is knowledge of, of, of Full Metal Alchemist, because otherwise you would have no background information or context. It would just be a continuous train wreck. It's still a continuous train wreck. train wreck. <laughs> yeah. there's, a, there's a pretty common through line with this movie that it falls into that ever so common trap of let's movie adapt a long form anything. Because this is not just something that happens to anime turned into live action movie. This is something that like anytime you have a long form thing adapted into a movie that it tends to have this problem where it's trying to do the iconic scenes that the fans know but it's also a movie and you have to make necessary adaptational changes when you're so limited on time as a movie. And it gets to the point where it's like either make changes and do a different story and have the movie be its own self-contained thing and be good. Yes, please do that. Or just straight adapt the thing and don't make changes. Please don't do that because that always ends up in a train wreck. And almost always what ends up happening is they and go halfway between <laughs> those two things and it ends up even worse. And that's how we end up with the boys running off to play and Trisha Elric going to like warn them of something and then falling over. Blech. Like, the reaction that we had in this moment was the most <laughs> riotous laughter in what's supposed to be a tragic moment. We have no idea who this lady is. She just has dead mom ponytail, and that's the only character trait that she has. Like, I, I am not kidding. Literally 30 seconds from this movie starting, it throws dead mom at you with the amount of drama to an extent that it could only be hilarious because it comes out of nowhere because the movie just started. We're joking about, like, character backstory death disease and whatever, but it literally is. She's perfectly fine. She's mid-sentence, and then she just drops like a stone. It Cut to the, funeral yeah. in the rain. The lack of buildup, I would have to say, is, like, the ultimate critique here because you have no connection to this character other than she's female. She apparently has two kids. We don't know her character. We don't know anything about her connection to the main character. We know for some reason she dyes her hair kid's hair uh, bright blonde <laughs> because yes. the two um, like very good child actors they have admittedly are Japanese because this is a Japanese cast have very fake looking dyed blonde hair like yeah. it's not good dyed blonde it's like because we need to give Ed and Al the Xerxes hair wait they, they give them the Xerxes hair but they don't have the golden eyes Ed doesn't have golden eyes, and Al distinctly doesn't when we see his body in the Door of Truth later. Eyes are hard to do for live action. Uh, well, okay, yeah. But they did the great CGI with Al. They <laughs> surely could have done it in <laughs> post. Well, even more so, even more so, the moment when we see Al's eyes is even more egregious because you could literally just do contacts for the, like, three seconds it's on screen. There was a lot of attention to detail, effort, and budget put into this movie in all of the wrong places. Well, it's everywhere that would matter for a trailer. Well, we'll get into this because as we go through the entirety of the boys' like death, uh, not the boys' death, their <laughs> mom's death, the funeral, it, like this is all happening within minutes. They do, as you can expect, a full malognomous. They try and bring their mother back to life using alchemy. The explanation for alchemy happens 
very quickly, and I thought it was <laughs> very funny, because they do not do any. As they bring their mother back, it goes wrong. They recite the formula. They pour the mysterious dust in the bin. I, I gotta say, it was pretty funny because I actually misheard the dub. Instead of metal, I heard uh, five whatever the measure, measurement units of, of meth. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, that's the problem right there. That would yeah. explain the monster that came out. <laughs> yeah, uh, full disclosure, we watched the English dub of this. And I believe that colored our experience in some way because we will get to Vic Mignogna. <laughs> but um, anyway, so as it goes bad, how they... Did, the movie decides to show this to you is the room they're in gets torn apart by an alchemy tornado and the children Edward and Alphonse are they, thrown away on pieces of floor that are ripped up and they are bed knobs and broomsticked like off into the darkness. Yeah. yeah, you can see the Wicked Witch of the West on her bicycle. <laughs> like <laughs> it's that level of special effect, which is not to discredit the CGI. The CGI in this is really good, which we'll get into because the movie immediately jump cuts to, um... Leno... Rolo? L- Lior. Riol is what the movie calls it. The movie it. Yeah, calls the- it Riol, yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be Lior. One of those amazing cases of, if you're if you're going to make the changes that get made to this story later on, why are you pulling this? Because mm-hmm. it's, quite frankly, a setup chapter in a manga that doesn't go anywhere, do anything. Now, I'm gonna... Full disclosure, I actually love the Father Cornello arc. I know it's short, but it does such an amazing job in the manga and anime of establishing what makes the Elric brothers unique, what makes them good protagonists. It tells us, like, yeah, it's an action anime thing, but it's got, you know, this philosophical bent to it as well. I, I And it sets up a nice, hateable villain and knocks him down 20 minutes later. It's... Man. Uh, that's a really good summary of nothing we saw. Because yeah. what we saw was a bunch of really cool CGI stone pillars as Father Cornello is essentially just a crazy dude with a philosopher stone ring who uses that to make stone pillars come out of walls and almost crush Edward. Who, his entire reaction, this entire fight is, wow, that's really cool. <laughs> We don't have any setup, nothing. It's just Father Cornello running through the alleys of the town and Ed chasing him on the rooftops. <laughs> the reason why this works so well in the original context of the story is because it has the time to set up Father Cornello, establish Ed and Al at, in opposition to Father Cornello, and in opposition to the town, but the town does not exist in this. I mean, in all fairness... I could see the movie working just as well is if you just, like, used it as an opening scene to be like, we come in at the end of the Father Cornell arc. Yeah. That would be fine if that was the only thing this movie did wrong. Like, I'm fine with this first scene. I think this is actually when the movie is at its best, mm. these first five minutes. Uh, yeah, that's they, yeah. That's what they need to sell for the trailer. Because and the CGI is beautiful as these, like, stone things come out. And, yeah, um, yeah, Father Cornell makes these stone dog things to attack yeah, Ed. The, uh, that's the power of the philosophy stone to create weird flesh stone dog, dog monsters okay and this is also where we now have grown up ed so uh screamy broccoli man has taken over as the voice actor 
Uh, Vic Mignogna reprising the role for a third time. I'm pretty sure he recorded this in a bathroom because his audio is mixed so terribly. It is so compressed. Yeah, his his audio is noticeably worse than everyone else. Everyone else of the dub actors. Mm -hmm. And as far as we could tell, he was the only one reprising his role either. Oh, I'm pretty sure Mustang was as well. Mustang, I think. I'm pretty sure they just called the whole gang together. Well, no, because Alphonse... Alphonse definitely wasn't. Yeah. And if Hawkeye had lines, I could probably tell you. <laughs> <laughs> we will get we'll to, get we'll to, get to that. that. I didn't get Aaron Disney to come back. <laughs> Ed fights some um, weird dog things, and it's really cool. It's some good mm-hmm. action scenes. Like, the CGI in this, for what we saw, is not bad. So far. It gets worse progressively, but... We're still in the first, like, five, ten minutes of the movie. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Like, it's we way see... better than you would expect it to be. Mm. Yeah, we see Al show up. He helps fight. We get the reveal of the auto mail. You know, classic stuff. Father Cornello runs away again, because he does that all the time in this. Uh, randomly takes a lady hostage. Aren't you supposed to be, like, the big leader in, of this town? In the center of a group of witnesses... Without anything else, he immediately kills his goodwill with the town to mm-hmm. take a hostage. He then doesn't do anything. With, I guess that's fine because you need the scene to wrap up is what. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, hey, Mustang. Yeah. Yeah. The cavalry comes in as Mustang, Hawkeye, and a group of soldiers come in to arrest uh, Father Cornello and Ed. For some reason. Because we need to get Ed back to Central. Winry's here too, by the way. I don't know why. <laughs> well, no. Winry shows up uh, at Central. No, no, she's no, in the <laughs> right. She does show up in real. Why is she in real? <laughs> Why is there a train there? It's supposed to be this middle of nowhere desert bumpkin town. Why? But Why it's is this, there so much greenery in real? Yeah, so it's green. The, it's this wash place with like. It, winding alleys and tons of people. Oh my god. Adaptationally, you can change what real is, as we were mentioning. Like, if you're going to take so much effort in making this, you know, minute detail the same, either tell your own story, yes, please do that, or... You know, don't change stuff. Get used to this running theme of Mustang showing up to be the actual main character, and Winry's here for reasons. Winry is in so much of this movie. I I can only assume it's because the actress playing her was famous enough to get, like... A lot of extra scenes. Because Winry (laughs) is in every famous And not even that. She's not just on every scene. She has to get the, like, spotlight of every shot. Every particular shot. There was one shot where it's, like... It's on Ed and Al, and then they just randomly pan the camera to show Winry behind Al for Like, by the way, Winry's here. By the way. It's just... Anyway, they go to Central because Ed's been arrested, but then once they get to Central, he's no longer arrested, and then... I also love how competent the military is in this universe. Hello breaks free and he runs just, away. <laughs> he just shakes his shoulder once and then runs and no one does anything to stop him. This will not be the only time this happens, by the way. But uh, yeah, so they're back in Central. Roy Mustang in this is just a dick. Yeah, like, not even in the fun way. That he is in the show. Like, yeah, it's not a cheeky thing. He's just, like, mean. <laughs> like, he has an entire speech to uh, Ed where he's just like, Hey, 
You agreed to join the military. That means you're not allowed to have free thoughts. Stop trying to do what you want. You're arrested now. And then Ed's all like, well, I know I'm a dog of the military, but that's only so I can figure out about the Philosopher's Stone. The oh. Philosopher's Stone? So you can get your limbs back? No, I'm doing it for my brother's body! Ah, Ed, don't you know I, Roy Mustang, know a lot about the Philosopher's Stone? Please, let me exposition to the audience. <laughs> <laughs> and now we will introduce an entirely new character. <laughs> I honestly cannot remember the transition for why they need to go to Tucker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But... They go to Tucker. Ed? Well, no, they meet General Huckero first. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Yeah, he shows up. But yeah. how do they get sent to Tucker's house? Like, Well, because they're researching the Philosopher's Stone, and he's someone who's done human... Er, no, they don't no, know They that. don't know exactly. that. <laughs> <laughs> They've made a chimera. Yes. There's no connection yet to that... It and make, Philosopher's Stones. It, it makes sense in the manga because yeah. there's exposition. In the movie, I cannot remember why they do this, but they go to Tucker's house to meet his very cute dog and very cute daughter. It's mm-hmm. very fluffy dog. It's yeah, very, very fluffy dog. Favorite character. It's a very fluffy dog and a very cute little girl. They got to play the daughter that um, I'm sure they did on purpose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, at some point, also, uh, Maze Hughes shows up, and the Elric brothers, and also Winry, because she's here, go and uh, have dinner at the Hughes household in order to establish that he has a pregnant wife. No that kid does yet. happen first. Yes. You're right, that does. And the sexual it's attention so... be- between Winry and that is, that is the That dinner at the Hughes house, the actress who played Winry and the actor who played um, Ed. Ed have amazing sexual tension. The entire dinner scene, which would be amazing if it were a double date, like how it's framed. But Alphonse is also at this dinner. <laughs> He's awkwardly sitting at the He's end of the table. He's sitting at the end of the table. Completely still with nobody addressing his presence because that would require more for the CG budget. Like the way the scene is framed, Alphonse is clearly a green screen at the back. (laughs) (laughs) He does not talk this dinner, he does not move this dinner. It's just Ed and Winry flirting by fighting. Yeah, during their flirt fighting. It's really sad because there's such a consistent thing of like, Al is just not a character in this movie. Because Mm -hmm. Uh, in case we haven't made it clear, Alphonse in this is entirely CG. Yeah. Even though you could literally get a guy in a suit to do that instead. But no. No. We, we had to make him entirely CG and then not use the fact that he's animated to do anything cool with him. Uh, he does cool stuff. Just yeah. In the scenes, he's allowed to move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so Tucker's house. Yeah, the gang goes to Tucker's house. Winry and Al are hanging with Nina and Alexander. You know, doing stuff, doing establishing, stuff. Doing, playing with them, making fun. sure that you really care about these characters that nothing bad will happen to. Yeah. And meanwhile, Ed's just expositing their entire backstory at Tucker, including the whole door of truth I did human transmutation thing. By the way, that suit of armor, that's my brother's soul. Ed admits a lot of uh, crimes he did to this person he's (laughs) trying to get information out of. That he met like an hour ago. (laughs) Like he just goes like, hey, here's a bunch of stuff that if you told anyone would be like amazing blackmail. (laughs) Mm-hmm. But I trust you because you made a chimera, which is not directly important to my goal. <laughs> it's just... Mm. So we can't finish the Tucker arc right now 
because we need another important character. This is so weirdly cut. Everything to do with Tucker is the biggest example of, if you're going to make a point of making this so close to the original for the sake of the fans... Why are you changing Why so much? would you reorder? Like, you have to reorder it because it's a movie. So just do something different. Well, do something that's thematically the same and, and has the same heart and spirit... But it fits in a movie. Like, so one thing I do like is while he's at the Tucker household, Ed has a nightmare of when he lost his arm and leg during the yeah. transmutation. Mm. Because obviously, that entire scene, you could not get a child actor to do. Yeah. So having to get make sure the audience knows that information, having adult Ed have a, have a dream nightmare about back it, of it. Where yeah. he is in his body, like he's his adult form going through this memory. And that's great because you get to have the emotion of, and like this is a really good scene because yeah, the CG's it's, on point the actor is really emotive like it's, mm -hmm. it's a yeah. good scene it's the Dora Truth scene I, I don't necessarily agree with the, uh, the depiction of the truth in this he's just God is just kind of a pall of hu vaguely humanoid smoke instead of the weird creepy little outline with the shockingly realistic teeth but uh, whatever that's fine it's one of those uh, but yeah, it's, like I, it's I, an adaptational change for yeah. the different medium, which yeah. is acceptable. And and I'm with Matt. It is ultimately the the better choice because you couldn't get a kid actor to do that. It's not just it's not just a matter of trying to get a kid to be able to emote the kind of pain having a leg ripped off would be. It's the seeing the horrifying monster you created trying to you know, rebuild your mother. That's not something that a child is capable of understanding. Mm -hmm. And like, that's the horror of the scene in its original context. You need that. So having it be the adult actor who's able to convey it, remembering it. And it's like, you know, like the idea that like only now as he's older, can he understand, can he genuinely understand the horror he wrought upon the world? You know, yeah. So, uh, you know, Al doesn't sleep. Ed wakes up from his nightmare. Al's shockingly condescending about it. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I don't know if this is the case in the Japanese, but the English voice actor for Al is really sarcastic and condescending at points where he should not be. He's just kind of done with being here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of the dub actors, Alphonse is always sarcastic in all his line reads for some reason. And then um, Envy, when they show up, just seems to not be interested in the script at all. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I, get the I don't feeling... know that the script writers were particularly interested in the script either, but that's another matter. I get the feeling Envy was handed a packet with all of their lines, and uh, the, the voice actor was, banged it out in a day, got drunk, and went home. <laughs> so... Uh, Anyway, back onto the plot. The reason they leave is um, uh, Tucker suggests to uh, Edward that um, someone might know about how to make a philosopher's stone. And that would be a man known as Dr. Tim Marco. Mm -hmm. Because so, we have to get Marco in too. So we, he needs to leave. And hey, why don't you leave your brother here with uh, me, a mad scientist? <laughs> yeah. oh, you don't know that yet, but also... And Leave Al here so I can examine the soul binding. It's really neato. It's like, why would Ed leave something so important? <laughs> leave Al there for that. And, and the best part to be about, treated like an experiment. The best part about this, we didn't know what was happening. We just saw Ed and Winry get on a train saying Ed. they're going to Dr. Marco. 
And then we are told through Winry's throwaway dialogue that Alphonse is staying behind. Because we were actually conversing at the time while watching this. It's like, wait, did Al stay behind? No, Al <laughs> wouldn't stay behind. That's stupid. Why would that ever <laughs> No, wait, I think, no, she just said. And like, yeah, it no, was because we were cut like, to Al under a blanket. Because <laughs> clearly we were like, they're just not including Alphonse in the scene to save on To CD. save the budget, we, yeah. We didn't understand Alphonse was not being included in this part of the movie to save the budget. <laughs> we ha- we have Tucker doing the, the thing with Al's whole crisis of identity. You know, what if the memories implanted in me are fake and I'm a wholly made construct, not actually a real boy? Tucker does that for some reason, even though he's the sewing life alchemist. He, he doesn't do souls and fake memories and whatever. Well, see, here here's my issue with this. Because one of the things that makes Shao Tucker such a engaging villain is that as vile as a human being as he is, he's inexcusable, what he does is unforgivable. The thing is, it comes from an understandable place. That's the horrifying nature of it. He's not like a agent of evil. He's just a guy who's greedy enough to sacrifice anything. Who's going to lose his livelihood. And he decided that's worth more to him than his family. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that is the Shao Tucker from the original story. Comfortably evil. Not what we get in this. This movie, and it's like, again, on the one hand, you can't fit all of the story of Full Metal Alchemist into a two-hour movie. We just saw what happened when you try. So... If you're gonna change Shao Tucker, cool, do that. But, like, they try to pretend that this is the same Shao Tucker from the manga and anime, and yet they give him all this extra stuff. Either do a new Shao Tucker, I'd be fine with that. Do 2003 Shao Tucker. Or, Who is distinctly different. But, yeah, yeah, so, Al's having his identity crisis. Meanwhile, we find Dr. Marco after some faffing about town to pad more time into the movie. Yeah, the the scene they use to find Dr. Marco is, is so full of padding. Like, it, it doesn't make any sense. This movie is two hours and 15 minutes long, but they spend literally like five, ten minutes of wandering around the set they had. Hey, random woman, do you know, do you recognize this man? No, I don't know him at all. Walks away. Oh, wait, maybe I do. Let me see the picture again. Oh, this is... This is Dr. Morrow. Don't you mean Marco? No. (laughs) And like, and like, you know, like the stuff that I've been saying about how you can't fit everything into a two-hour movie, not only do they try to fit everything into a two-hour movie, but they waste (laughs) time on unimportant things. Like, you know, just for example... Ed and Winry's, like, their chemistry is very well established over the course of this movie. It doesn't do anything! Winry's in every scene, and if you removed her, nothing would change! Like, Ed and Winry's relationship is never talked about. It's Mm -hmm. just you have scenes establishing it for some reason. There is one moment of Mace Hughes and his wife, you know, doing a ah, young love look as Ed and Winry are fighting, and that's, like, it. But anyway, because it's a famous scene, and again, it's it's fans of Full Metal Alchemist know that Ed and Winry have a relationship. Mm-hmm. So we get to Doctor Marco's house. He has a shotgun. <laughs> he, yeah, he shoots the wall. Um, Ed does a cool transmutation thing to bend the barrel. He goes, "Oh, you've seen the door of truth because you can do a alchemy without a circle." That's a weird thing for you to notice on sight, but cool. Yeah, uh, whatever, whatever. Uh, 
Are you going to explain anything? No, lust is here. What? (laughs) (laughs) We spend a decent amount of time trying to weasel intel out of Dr. Marco, and right as he's like, okay, yeah, pulls out gun, shoots past... (laughs) Past Ed into a window. Lust walks in. Stop shooting me. We need to establish that I'm immortal, though. Shoot, shoot, shoot. Okay, I'm going to stab you now. Stab. In, in all fairness, I think at this point we had had a cutaway scene of the three homunculi who are the only three homunculi. Mm-hmm. Don't ask any questions. Yeah, it's lust, envy, and greed. We get introduced. No, not Lust, greed. Envy, and greed. Gluttony. gluttony. Gluttony, not greed. I wish greed was in this movie. <laughs> I wish greed was in this movie. <laughs> we would have saved ourselves, our eyes from the hideousness of gluttony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, he's shown up already. Gluttony is a um, a plus-sized man who is then wearing the bottom half of a fat suit. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's for good measure. It's a weird choice. <laughs> it was a choice, though. Yeah. But, but nothing compares to the outstanding special effects for his teeth form. We'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> so Lust murders the hell out of Dr. Marco and <laughs> teleports away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Lust literally just disappears from the scene with two people directly watching her do what she just did. Yeah. And no one talks about it for the rest of the movie. <laughs> Dr. Marco uses his dying breath to be like, go to lab five, have this half complete picture of a transmutation circle and a philosopher's stone. I will now die. It's really like almost funny because I don't think Ed or Winry canonically tell anyone Dr. Marco got murdered by a homunculus. Mm hmm. For a ridiculously long amount of time in this movie. It's presumed that, like, Winry called the police off screen, maybe. We never actually established that. It's presumed because we cut to Ed alone on the train going back. And then then we flash back to the previous scene. Where Winry explains, I'm staying here. But we don't... This movie does a weird thing where you'll... Get an establishing shot of something. And then you'll get a flashback to the scene you were just in. Of exposition. <laughs> Explaining why the establishing shot is happening. Oh, God. This is this is not a good movie, in case you can't tell. <laughs> it is a very bad movie, yes. I, I, I don't like to consider but, myself a film snob, but this is not a good movie. <laughs> yeah, even on just a structural level. Never mind how badly it's butchering FMA. It's just a bad movie. But hey, I guess we needed Ed to go in alone to Tucker's house to discover the horrifying to, truth. To get that famous scene. Al is deactivated, I guess. They implied... Okay, so there there was a bit where Tucker, like, puts a blanket with a transmutation circle over lying down Al, and he's like... I feel dizzy. And then he's out of the movie for the next, like, 20 minutes because we need to save on the budget. I guess that Tucker knocked him out with alchemy sedatives or something. Yeah, the fact that Jacob is the only one certain of this shows you how well the movie was at um, letting the audience know what was happening. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So we have the famous scene of Nina and Alexander. Where are they? Again, hilarious difference between the dub and the actor. Because 
bless his heart, the actor for Ed tried, but he really couldn't sell Vic, I've done this three times, Mignogna's read <laughs> of the lines. Well, I'll, I'll defend the actor. The actor did a very, like, subtle take on it, where Vic Mignogna's doing, I'm an doing anime the- protagonist, which... Yeah, you can't do in a live action movie for obvious reasons. Yeah. We get my favorite instance of mixing where, you know, Ed beats up Shao a little bit, Al stops him. <laughs> and then Ed in his rage uses his auto mail arm to punch a wall. And, and there's, there's no sound. And we're not sure if the dub messed this up or if there was no sound when he punches the wall. Like, visible cracks form in the walls, because you you know he punched it hard. The only audio is Vic Mignogna's take of, of like, the 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 anger grunt. And, like, the gasping from that, which goes over where the sound effect would be. I have to think they just slapped his audio on top of there and didn't mix it. Oh, also, weird, uh, weird difference for the movie. Um, the weird dog-girl hybrid, uh, is not in pain and actually seems to be a perfect fusion because it's just perfectly content to be a dog-girl. Yeah, it's just wandering around going, Hey, play with me! Ed, let's play! Dad, are you okay? It's one of those cases where wording is super important because in the original version, Nina would always call Edward Big Brother like Al did, and that was what tipped him off because in the original version, the homunculus hybrid thing, the chimera hybrid thing said, big brother, it hurts. And that was what tipped Ed off on that something was wrong. Whereas in this version, it was was play with me. But it's like, it's supposed to be the pain that they're in as part of, like, it's not just that- That, That's the horror of it. It's not just that a, a human and a dog got fused. It's that a human and a dog got, you know- horrifyingly mangled together. Also, if for some reason you weren't aware, they mention this time in exposition that, oh, wow, you must have done this to your wife last time. Yeah, because the wife had not been mentioned. It it doesn't matter. Clearly the movie did not care that you knew this until right now, and I don't care that you knew this until right now. Overall, my take from it was it was just poor delivery. Mm-hmm. This was supposed to be one of the most anticipated and most dreaded scenes of the like, entire series. The and I o- felt like it wasn't delivered properly. Oh, yeah. The only dread that you get is that you know Full Metal Alchemist because this scene is so famous. Frankly, because it is that good. And they just went through the motions because they had to do the scene. And it's it's the worst kind mm-hmm. of shovelware movie. What's weird, too, is you could have just cut Marco from what Marco ends up doing for this movie. You could have cut that and had them stay at the house and it would have been better. Because mm-hmm. you would have gotten more build-up to this scene. Yeah. Nothing yeah. you get from Marco is worth going there. Yeah. You get to see Lust kill some people, which she does a hundred times over in this movie. Yeah. Exactly. And they don't care about making a good movie. They care about checking the boxes on the scenes. You know, they think it's what the fans want. But, like, honestly... But no. the fans want is good... Good action and good plot. A good movie will not only make the... like Because, like, there will always be somebody who's going to complain about it for not being accurate, and I don't care about those people. If you make a good movie that still fits with the themes of the story, you will not only make the fans who are capable of being pleased happy, but on top of that, you will make new fans by bringing people who haven't otherwise experienced Full Metal Alchemist into the fandom, and then they can... Shut up, Jake. It's time to kill Mace Hughes. Yeah, hold on. I'm I'm realizing now because uh, 
little spoiler alert, uh, audience, uh, we're reading off the Wikipedia synopsis because we could not remember how this movie goes. Um, <laughs> I am almost 100% sure the Wikipedia synopsis uh, tells you the movie out of order, so it makes sense because... Um, <laughs> Because uh, it, it's definitely saying that he took the notes from uh, Marco, Marco to start investigating, but he definitely goes straight back he to Tucker. He goes back to Tucker's house, yeah. yes, 100%. But apparently he also told Hughes about Marco's death, but I don't think that's what happened. I think that happens it, after. Yeah, it, it happens after because Ed goes into this funk of like constantly... Um, Mustang tells uh, him to get in the robot Shinji. I mean, not Shit. much... Oh, <laughs> Yeah, the scene where they arrest Tucker is pretty hilarious because as he's going to jail, he turns back and goes, By the way, I'm a mustache-twirling villain now. Squee! I'll my revenge. <laughs> I'll be back, you damn Elrics! Also, the scene that's taking place at night in the rain, the half of us thought was hilarious because... Uh, <laughs> it's stadium lighting. The, the lighting is like you're on the middle of a football field. Yeah. Like, <laughs> these are the house lights of a state alchemist. <laughs> like, it is as bright as midday in this night shot for rain. It's ridiculous. We need to get to my favorite continuity error, though. Yeah, which, yeah. let's get there. Which is, Ed's been uh, working at this research with the notes from from Marco for like three days nonstop. And so Mace Hughes comes and it's just like, hey, kid, stop being stupid. Here's Ross. You remember Ross from the show? She's got <laughs> sandwiches. She's not going to say anything. We're friends now. We're going to help you research. We're friends. And this is what friends do. <laughs> he does say friends a lot. Also, Ross does not have a single speaking line at all. <laughs> Oh God, you're right. No, she literally because the zero. only time the only time she talks is when it's envy. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, yeah. they did not want to pay an actress for speaking, <laughs> which is weird because they've got a million dollars worth of CGI to just throw at anything that doesn't need it. Hey, audience, and also you might the have sets and the costuming is amazing too. Like they had to either go on location for something or had to build up European style sets, like. Hey, audience, you might have noticed we've talked about Mustang an awful lot. And you might remember, if you're familiar with the show, usually Riza Hawkeye is with him. They're bound at the hip, basically. They're my favorite ship in the show. Where's Hawkeye? She's not here. <laughs> Riza Hawkeye, the greatest shot in the in, in the whole Western military, fires two bullets in the whole two-hour movie. <laughs> Not by herself, either. She's part of a firing squad when those two bullets go off. So for all we know, they missed. Yeah. She is canonically, according to this movie, at least as good as an average soldier firing guns. Every time she was on Mustang screen. Mustang fires more bullets out of guns than Hawkeye does. Why? <laughs> They're Ed, researching the, yeah. the notes. And it's Ross... Hughes and Edward have locked themselves in a room to figure this out. And Hughes is like, you can't trust anybody in the military. Even I'm going to create some tension between me and Mustang, even though we're like best friends. You got to watch your back, Roy. Oh, yeah, there was a weird scene that I forget exactly where it happened. It happens Pretty way earlier. sooner than this. But, yeah, uh, but, but R R Mustang and Hughes basically have a conversation about like, hey, Hughes is just like, hey, Mustang, you're going to get far. But you can't imagine everyone in the military wants you to succeed. And then Roy's just like, I trust everyone implicitly. The military's super cool. I have no reserves about anything. You need to trust the military more. Because the movie version of Mustang is weird. He's very, very and then, 
into the Which, yeah. And then the scene ends with he was going, "Can't even trust me, your best friend." <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what the purpose of all of this is. The movie is trying very hard to play off of the people they assume are going to be watching, people who know Full Metal Alchemist. It's trying to convince you that either Hughes is the actual bad guy of this movie that will be different, or Mustang is the actual bad guy of this movie, which will be different. Neither of which work, because neither of which makes sense. And if you're coming in with no knowledge base, then none of the character motivations make any bleeping sense! Which, I like how Sam's still gonna have to add the swear bleep to bleep sense. <laughs> yes, I, I'm going to do that. <laughs> oh shit, I said bleeping sense. Oh shit, I also said the shit. Oh, it's late. It is, it is very late. <laughs> anyway, so, so yeah, Ed acts super mistrustful of Hughes because he's like traumatized from Tucker. Because he just told Tucker all his secrets. And then, and that then guy Tucker got... became randomly a supervillain. And then he got sent to jail for war crimes. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ed, super mistrustful of Hughes. Hughes uh, openly is a very mistrustful person in this show, for some in this movie, for well, some no, reason. Hugh, Hughes is saying it's good to be mistrustful of people. Mm-hmm. He's a genuinely nice guy. He's just saying... Look, the world's got a lot of people who will stab you in the back. Watch your back. Yeah. Yeah. So they're they're doing their research. They're going to figure out that the country is a transmutation circle. Whatever. Yeah. Well, that never gets revealed. It's it's Yeah, that it's never un- actually goes anywhere. Yeah. It never goes and he figures it out. He figures it out. Tells anyone. Mm-hmm. So they're they're working on it. They're getting close. Technically, Hughes doesn't even figure it out on his own, actually. Yeah. Uh by the way. Ed in this movie is a fucking idiot. He never figures anything out on his own. It is so screamed many- in his face or actively told him, told to him by people who know more. One of the things that Full Metal Alchemist does really well is a lot of the scenes that I remember are like Ed just like putting the pieces together in his head with like this wide-eyed stare at the at the truth laid bare before him metaphors and him like turning to someone and revealing the information to the audience the only time that kind of happens is the um is the nina and alexander chimera every other time somebody explains it to him and like half the time they'll be like you figured it out didn't you ed i have no reason to think that but if you have that much faith in them good for you Case in point, our little case. (laughs) I'm a huge fan of this scene. Case in point, our little dream team working on there, uh, figuring out the whole big conspiracy. And then, oh, hi, General Haruko. Whatever his name is, he's a new character. He's supposed to be like Pride or Wrath or something. He's not. He's but not, he's, he's not. He's a guy. He's just a dude, but he fills that role. He fills that role, he's yeah. He's just a military guy who walks into this meeting. This is like, hey, you guys are working on something here. You look like you're looking up government secrets. Well, as a general, I'm just going to overlook this and go like, did you know we used to do a lot of experiments in Lab 5? Oh, no. You're, he says, you're talking about Lab 5, which is super interesting because the door was closed and he walked in <laughs> well after they stopped talking about Lab 5, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he goes in, oh, Lab 5, I think that used to be this right here. But that's a canning factory. 
It used to be right here. That ca- that's a canning factory. It used, it used to, be to be right, right here. here. <laughs> and, and it's a Ed, canning factory. And Ed throws on his jacket like, I trust you implicitly. I'm getting my brother in Winry and I'm going there right now. I just realized, no. Rosa? What's her name? Ross. 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 She has a line here. Where she's like, this canning factory closed down years ago. It's in ruins. That's all she says in the entire movie. <laughs> uh, so we've cracked it. She does exact have exactly one line. Amazing. Which I think is still extra status by, uh, by, um... Anyone's the got standards. Well, by U.S. standards for movies, I think, but... Yeah. Uh, so we go to the canning factory. And it is not entirely... Abandoned. It's, a, it's, uh-huh. an, it's an abandoned canning factory. By the way, this scene was happening at night. By the time they reach the canning factory, it's broad daylight. And by they, I mean Ed, Alan, Winry, who's also still here. Why? She's here for some reason. And well, she was passed out. She was a hostage. At the, the canning, canning factory? No. You know, you're skipping way. You're skipping to the end of the you're movie. You're skipping to the end and of the I, movie. Trust me, I want to do the same. <laughs> I want to be done too. I, I also think they could have just cut this scene of the canning factory because all that happens is Ed and Al get into a fist fight and this lasts so long where Ed punches Al because Al thinks thinks he's not a a real boy is essentially what it comes down to. And this is another one of those cases where it's like, this is here because it's an iconic scene from another version of this story, but it does not fit this movie version. The manga and the anime, because it's been built up to for so long, because there has been time setting this up, this is a payoff. It's earned. But... A movie has to structure itself differently. You can't just lift iconic scenes from a completely different form of medium, put them in a movie, and expect it to work. Yeah, so anyway. Jake, that's bull. <laughs> you, prob- you probably could, but it does not work for this. Because it's it's just so long. It's, it's so long. It's so much of the entire thing is Ed's punching Al with his, like, uh, real, real hand. His, his flesh hand. Flesh hand is a better... Yeah. Better way to say that. But it's, and his hand is breaking and Al's just like, I don't feel pain. You're not doing anything. He's here. He's like, you're not, yo, you think you're not real? Huh? Why would I make such a worthless brother? <laughs> and then Winry essentially mimics the same thing. It's like, you think he would go through all of this for a puppet he made? And me sitting on the couch is like, well, I mean, yeah, if he was suffering some kind of trauma or grief, that's exactly what he would do. <laughs> that's, that's not really beneficial for your argument, I suppose. <laughs> Look, it's fine. It's dramatic. She cries. Blah blah blah. It's, it's just so... she hits. She hits him with a wrench. Winry does the only thing she does in this entire movie, which is hit Al with a wrench, to not stop the fight at all because uh, they keep Ed, going after that. Ed keeps fighting. Anyway, we're spending an awful long time on this scene that doesn't really amount to much. Yeah. Kind of mo- like the movie. The movie <laughs> took a long amount of time to do it. Yep. Anyway, it's broad daylight as all this is happening. Let's cut back to Hughes. Still in the room still looking st- at the map of a mistress. I can only surmise that he was standing there, leaning over this table, staring down at this map like, ooh, circles, for 18 hours. Because <laughs> we realized at this point, Al is only ever allowed to move when the background can be a green screen. <laughs> Yeah. And that's why they had to have light daylight streaming in through the windows for the for the fist fight. 
Yep. So anyway, Hughes has spent 18 hours to figure out, hey, wait, have you ever wondered that our country looks almost like a complete circle? Hmm. Hmm. And then uh, he goes to a payphone outside. No, Lust attacks him. Yeah, Lust attacks him inside. So you figured it out, huh? (laughs) Lust does wait the 18 hours for him to come to the conclusion. (laughs) That uh, circles are round. <laughs> <laughs> Much like glass. <laughs> I tried to make a boob joke. It failed. <laughs> like <Fair>. this movie. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. He comes to the conclusion that uh, that lust attacks him is where we are right now. I'm, I yep. skipped back five minutes because I desperately want this to end. Um, <laughs> he does the knife thing that had not been established at all. Runs but to it, a payphone. because yeah, that's when he runs to the payphone. Because uh, these lines inside are not secure. He immediately assumes some kind of... Wiretapping incident is going on. Or cover-up, or which makes sense, the fact that Lust could get into the building. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something must be... Can I just say, Lust has a tremendous tendency yeah. of just showing up Hold on. right when Why our main characters are figuring out. Consp- yeah, no, you're right. Why does he think I was going to say, Lust getting into the building does not make any sense in the canon this movie has provided. Yeah, yeah. actually, especially with what they explain later, the differences, the, the changes that they do make, it makes even less sense. We'll get there. We got to have that iconic scene of Hughes. In the phone booth. Except he does not drop a picture of his daughter. He drops a picture of his pregnant wife because we don't have the time skip. By the way, she's pregnant. Yep. Well, we knew she was pregnant earlier. But, but... by the way, it's photographic evidence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we need more. We need more of that. To... We, we were we were wondering if he was going to be standing over that uh, diagram of the of the country for three years so they could get <laughs> so we could get the kid in. I I thought she must. They must have been like, oh, she's pregnant with her second child, and her first child just wasn't there for the grown up dinner they were having. Like, but no, no kid. Yeah, it's it's their first child. Which honestly, to be fair, that is a good change to make circa this movie. Like, I don't we, have that. We much don't need more child actors. I'm, I'm gonna be honest. I think it would have been better to just have him already have a daughter. That way, you get the iconic cues. Like, these are pictures of my daughter. The, oh, look how cute yeah. she is. Like, that's fair. Yeah, like knowing the child existed before isn't necessary for that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but anyway, Hughes dies. Envy was wearing Mustang's face yeah. as he did it. So so the movie desperately wants you to think Roy Mustang shot his friend. He's the, the bad guy, yeah. Because that works so far in the context of the movie you've seen. Assuming you don't know anything about Full Battle Alchemist. Well, yeah. and, and that's again the problem where they're basically playing off of the audience's knowledge of the series. Because like the movie is, is by this point hideously boring because it's not really done anything of substance other than try and fail to cash in on the pathos of the original series. So they're basically trying to bait the audience into thinking, are they actually going to change it so that Mustang is the bad guy? But anyone with two functioning brain cells to rub together is going to know better because that doesn't make any sense. I would have respected the movie a lot more if it did that. (laughs) Yeah. It would have been an artistic change. I would have appreciated the creativity that took. Uh, It would have been anything at all. We did get an original ending, so... That's true. Yeah, so... Honestly, I would have taken Mustang being the bad guy over the ending we did. We'll, yet, we'll, we'll get, get there. We're almost there. We're almost yeah. there. The CG is growing markedly worse, by the way, because we already blew all the budget on the Ed and Al fight scene. Yeah, it's... the Right here, the CGI takes a noticeable dip in quality. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's because they can't do night scenes as well, but something is up. Like... I think it's because they spent all of their budget doing the Ed and Al fight scene, and then they did the uh, Lior fight scene and chase for the trailer. Mm-hmm. Those are the money shots. Those so. look really good. They yeah. should. So, anyway, uh, Ed gets arrested, again, for reasons. <laughs> Hawkeye's like... Mustang killed Hughes, and we get this dramatic. So why were they arresting Ed for Mustang <laughs> killing Hughes exactly? Because all of his confidants, they explain it. All the confidants, all of his close um, associates, associates are obviously suspects, so they're being detained. The movie has not sold to me at this point that Ed is a close confidant slash associate of Mustang. Considering Mustang <laughs> arrested Ed the first time they met. On screen. That just means he loves you. And then, <laughs> and then Mustang never talked to Ed again until this scene. I don't think they know each other at all. <laughs> I, I barely buy that Hawkeye and Mustang are associated. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Mustang is now a fugitive to the law. We do have the dramatic scene of Ed realizing that Hughes is dead. And has several grayscale flashbacks to every scene they were together from Ed's POV, nonetheless. It's, it's really funny. It's literally just scenes of the movie with like a filter over it. For literally every scene Hughes is in before this. Yes, mm-hmm. I, I also remember that time that they did literally everything together. Hey, do you remember that movie you just watched? <laughs> oh, are you still doing it? Good on you. So, I'm surprised you got this far. <laughs> the editors didn't. Yes. God, the editors really didn't. So Ed and Marisa break free, because of course they do. The military fucking blows in this. These people are such incompetent more. I can only assume your average soldier is trained to, if a prisoner makes a break for it, to watch them do so. <laughs> yeah. It's like, this is the cold war machine of death that reduced Ishval to dust and blood? This is the army that, on the machinations of a high-up conspiracy, used war and violence to turn this country into a giant transmutation circle? I don't f***ing buy it! I'm gonna be honest, it's the only time we hear the military doing anything when Hughes is looking up battles. No, I it's think he's when, the only one who mentions it. It's when Hughes and uh, Mustang are having their chat about you can't trust anyone. And Hughes is like, man, you remember Ishval? It was crazy, wasn't it? Yeah, that was pretty bad. Nothing's been the same since. <laughs> so anyway. Um, Scar's not in this movie, by the way. Fair. <laughs> Scar is a very... If you're going to do this, what they've done, cutting Scar is a good decision. Uh, but anyway. Uh, yeah. Ed and Hawkeye have both been detained for being... Associated with Mustang. So they are in a room together where uh, their plan to escape is <laughs> Risa yelling, No, what are you doing? To which... The window's open. The soldiers bust open the door to see the window is open. And they go out there and point their guns at the street. To which Ed then shouts, hey, sorry about this, and then takes a full two seconds to punch both of them unconscious. Uh, Just, it's fine. This is not the most incompetent they will be. Letting the crazy priest go? That was peanuts. This nonsense? That was peanuts. Just wait. Yes, we're going to the tunnel. If we're going to point out plot holes right before we go to the tunnel, because they immediately find Mustang upon escaping is the funny bit. 
if they could just open the window, why not just leave out the window? <laughs> and because the- leaving through the building is full of more soldiers than the two they knocked out. And, like, Ed is, like, shackled at the wrists. Why not just transmute yourself out of that? They're, the... The wrist shackles are not meaningfully far enough apart that he can't do the hand clap thing. Even even not... He can carve a transmutation circle. That's been established a thing he can do. Like... Yeah. <laughs> Just... Uh, the, <laughs> it's, uh, it's almost like they forgot that this was Full Metal Alchemist for a second and had to have the most cliche escape scene ever. Oh, no. Yeah, and Daenerys uh, forgot about the Iron Fleet. A, a hundred percent, uh the movie forgets that alchemists can transmute whatever they want. Uh-huh. Because, like, they all can do alchemy. Some of them just have specializations. Yeah. But that's a preference thing, not a... hmm So, let's get to the tunnel. Mustang... Do we have to? Yes, we have to. We have so, to wrap this up. <laughs> so, so, by the way, Lab 5... It wasn't the canning factory. Shock of shocks. Lab 5 was actually the old prisoner of war camp. And Mustang knows this and goes there because Hughes used his dying breath to say so into the phone. And uh, so Mustang gets past all of the guards and gets into a tunnel underneath this (laughs) prisoner of war camp. And Risa and Edward find. Yeah. Immediately. They jacked a car, I guess they jacked a car at some point and ran the barricade because they just drive up in the middle of this tense standoff. <gasps> Major Ro- uh, Ross, what are you doing here? Why are you holding a gun on Mustang? Why are you, like, threatening everybody? No, Mustang, don't set her on fire! Which is amazing. This yes. group of people with guns held to the fugitive Rory Mustang. The wa- Flame Alchemist! Watch! As he burns alive the person in front of them who is for a, several seconds. <laughs> who is ostensibly in command of them right now. Yep. They, these, no soldier, these soldiers watch a fugitive kill their commanding officer for about 30 seconds while doing nothing. No and one yells, no one flinches, it's just like... And this is still not yet maximum incompetence. We're almost there. (laughs) Yeah, because Ross's charred corpse falls to the ground. And then... We were kind of hoping it was actually Ross because that that would be literally anything. That would be literally anything, but no, it's Envy. Envy stands up and is like, how'd you find out? You had the hair swished the wrong way. Yeah, which considering Ross has appeared in... One and, uh, and a half one, scenes. One and a half scenes before. The audience has no chance of noticing that. Yep. So, whatever. By the way, Lust and Gluttony are here, too. Are just here. They <laughs> because walk through the line of soldiers. <laughs> well, Lust's... Lust, I'm convinced her, like, magic uh, homunculus ability isn't the stretchy, stabby fingers. It's her ability to just teleport to where the plot is. I can think maybe within the context of this, I think the soldiers hunting Roy Mustang because they were working with fake envy have been told to just ignore lust is there considering the amount of people she walks through I think that's just assumed by the plot of the movie but what happens immediately afterward kind of refutes that because lust six gluttony on those soldiers she six gluttony on literally everything that doesn't mean yeah. anything <laughs> yeah must go to is gluttony eat them all yeah except 
the Full Metal Boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not that that ever gets explained in any meaningful way. Well, I she mean, says she says the Full Metal one will be a meaningful sacrifice, but that doesn't that, actually. They mean... reference their creator though, mm-hmm. at least once or twice. Kind of. Yeah. 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 It's it's lost being like we homunculi aren't so different from you humans. We have all five senses. I have my own thoughts. I care for my creator. We never see father in this. And, and that's sort of the problem, though, because, like, they have so many things that are contingent on elements of the source material. But this is supposed to be a self-contained movie. Uh, quotes around self-contained. There's a lot of sequel bait at the end. There is yeah. a lot of sequel bait at the end. Well, no, but, sequel bait doesn't mean it's not a self-contained movie. Because, like, it... By definition, it does. Well, it has its own complete story. If it has set up for something else... Eh, semantics. Yeah, kind of. This is apropos of nothing. The important thing is, Gluttony is sicked on the soldiers. And now we're at maximum incompetence. Because, because they all fire randomly, <laughs> some of them into the ceiling. <laughs> also, this is where they officially ran out of money for the special <laughs> effects. Because, I know, you've been seeing a lot of beautiful CGI in this so far. Um, Gluttony is some CGI... Up until he's walking at the soldiers, where he's clearly <laughs> wearing, like, fake foam rubber teeth, <laughs> and you only get to see him from behind, because clearly the front of this costume looks terrible, as he, <laughs> because this costume is completely immovable in, waddles at, <laughs> at, the, the, at soldiers. the soldiers who are running in terror. He looks With, like a Power Rangers monster. He, yeah, he these hardened, elite, well-trained military soldiers are running from this Power Rangers villain now. And any idea that these... That this is the Ishvalan military. Is just gone. That's why I've always not said... Not a Mestrian. Fair, you're right. Uh, the, the, that's why I always say the best Super Sentai are the ones where they just give the Sentai guns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... We have another standoff with Lust. Kind of. (laughs) Kind of. We need another iconic scene, so Mustang takes Lust's attack that was meant for Hawkeye, who still has not shot anybody. At this point, Mustang takes uh, her gun and starts shooting the homunculus. Yep. Mustang goes, well, Hawkeye, you clearly don't know how to shoot a gun. I know that gun you're always holding on your holster. Give it to me. And then takes it, shoots Envy in the kneecap, which how skinny Envy is is a feat. Like, <laughs> he fires off like half a dozen shots and nails both of them multiple times but in the legs and knees. Like, <laughs> kneel to me. Like, he's, it, yeah, he shoots both of them directly in the kneecaps to be like, kneel. Like, he intended to shoot them in the knees. Yeah. <laughs> and Hawkeye has still not fired a bullet yet. Mm-hmm. She hasn't said anything this entire time. She's like permanent yeah. shock. Yeah. She's just like, oh no, Mustang, Colonel. Oh, oh no, I need a man to save me. <laughs> God. Is, is, I'm, I'm kidding you not. That is literally what they do to Hawkeye. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They rem- Absolutely. They remove all agency from her so she can be Roy Mustang's damsel in distress. Yep. And because he, he's got to get heroically stabbed to save her. And now we can do the thing where he's like got the open shirt and the cauterization wound. Well, no, that yeah. happens. They say he cauterizes that wound. But you like, see the blackened handprint on him. 
I mean, but that's almost no different than the same thing than, the, of, than, than him yeah. holding the blood. In. It it's the exact same pose. Yeah, True. it doesn't look any different. Is the thing because yeah. again, it's very much the situation where it's like the this is something that was in the thing. We'll do the thing that makes it a good movie, right? No, so, it doesn't. Are we at the original ending yet? Can this yeah. please end? So anyway, <laughs> Shao Tucker broke out of prison. I assume that was you, you devious homunculi. Wait, what? Shout Tucker broke out of prison. Uh, I fucking hate that guy. Envy, go find him and kill him. The three homunculi having no idea who Shout Tucker is, <laughs> but hating him will never not be funny to me. <laughs> Tucker just breaks out of prison. And by the way, another thing you might be asking, valued listeners, is... Hey, you guys have been talking an awful lot about how Alphonse is like in scenes but not doing anything and Winry's always here. Where have they been? Oh, uh, as Ed was getting arrested from the canning facility, Al and Winry were left behind and then someone menacingly looked around a corner at them. So they've been kidnapped by Tucker. Sure, why not? Because Tucker is the main villain of this movie now. Like, kind for, for like of. five minutes. The movie definitely tries to convince you that. Um... At this point, I'm really hoping you don't watch this movie so we're not spoiling anything for you. Um, It's not worth your time. Enjoy our pain instead. I don't even know what I'm doing for promo for this. I guess posting screenshots of the movie. I'd have to watch it again. No. Um, (laughs) I might just take this week off. I might just just like memes on Twitter. I don't know. (laughs) Just make a point of liking Full Metal Alchemist memes. No, I think I'll like a Revelin meme. (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah so tucker is a super villain he has a super villain monologue because we have fully gone into someone had to write original dialogue for this Mm -hmm. uh he is in lab five he goes didn't you know they sacrifice prisoners to make the hum the not the hum We'll find out that later, but the Philosopher Stones, the thing you've been looking for, they've got vats of it right here. And, and it's I- made of people. Yes. And you know what I'm going to do with them? Nothing. I don't care about them at all. What I'm a- just going to shoot you in the face because I hate you. <laughs> and Ed is in the middle of the circle of the transmutation circle going, the, uh, the Philosopher Stones are people? No! Tucker puts a gun to Winry's head and says, Ed, remove your auto mail. I don't want any of your tricky alchemy. And Ed, because he's a smart guy, despite the fact auto mail is removable, (laughs) rips his arm off with his alchemy. With sparks flying everywhere because he clearly broke the arm for some reason. He doesn't have time for this. You, you do! It's it's slower what he did than you, just taking it off properly! You you can take the arm off! That's the point of a prosthetic! <laughs> oh my god. But so, he, he breaks the arm. Mm-hmm. And Tucker's this like... This even the dumb part yet. And Tucker's like, Yes, now I have always hated you, you little snobby genius who hasn't figured anything out this whole movie. Who, according I, to this movie, betrayed me either eight hours ago or yesterday. <laughs> is the frame of time we're working with. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to kill you right as you were in front of all the things you wanted and have learned the horrible truth. Ha ha ha, and oh no, I've been stabbed by lust. (laughs) Oh no, I've been impaled. Do we even know why 
the homunculi want him dead. They're just like they oh. just don't like him. They're they're just, oh, that guy! They can't like, allow him to live. I heard that guy transmuted his daughter. What a dick! <laughs> <laughs> wow, Shout Tucker, what a bitch! I'm gonna kill that guy. <laughs> I've never heard of him before. I immediately hate him. <laughs> General Haruko walks in and just goes, yes, I told you the wrong location for Lab 5 so that you would have a deep fight with your brother and then also just find it anyway. I'm not really sure what that did. <laughs> but anyway, look at all these. <laughs> yeah, because apparently Haruko walks over to some light switches that apparently Tucker didn't know existed because when you turn on the light switch, it reveals, did you know this was actually to create... An infinite... Uh, I'm sorry. First, what he says is, do you know why human transmutation is illegal? Because it's immoral and unethical? No, you idiot. It's so that you don't make an infinite army of soldiers. Wouldn't that require an infinite amount of resources? Shut up. No, it's magic. <laughs> also, Tucker didn't notice these two light switches, one of which, click, and reveals the ceiling is a bunch of blood semen dolls. <laughs> you remember the mannequin army from the end of Brotherhood? You remember the mannequin army that was really cool? And Brigadier General Armstrong, like, rallied the defense? We don't have either of the Armstrongs in this. God, I would have loved to see how him. Would you, how would you? He's too buff. He is too buff. Other Armstrong, probably, but you need a blonde woman. Or a woman willing to dye her hair with very <laughs> bad blonde dye. Honestly, them trying to do that would have... <laughs> They were definitely died. Yeah. yeah. But, like, them trying to do that would have been more entertaining than almost anything of what we actually got anyway, so... <laughs> but, uh, as, as... Why I described them as such is these mannequins appear to be made out of a semi-translucent white material. Yeah. That, um... Yeah. There is no other <laughs> word to describe yeah. it than it looks like seminal fluid. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> that is not a sexual reference. That is not anything crude. I am giving you the medical terminology for what it looks like they're made out of. Yeah. <laughs> and now I will insert these stones into them and they Which will... is what the second light switch did. <laughs> which is right next to the first light switch. It's super good. No one ever accidentally flipped either of these. Also... <laughs> This entire time, we just had a facility ready to make an infinite army of soldiers waiting for a light switch to be flipped. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he talks up a big game about how uh, these soldiers, they're they, completely indestructible. They don't feel pain or fear. They can be attacked and, and no damage will be dealt to them. And, you know... They are awakened, and it's the last good bit of CGI as they're hanging from the uh, seal. It's, it, it's a sufficiently... It's a moment. It, like, so the CGI quality on them falters drastically. There are some scenes that are great with them, but anytime Alphonse or someone else who uses CGI on the same scene them, they're instantly, like, infinitely less qualified and walk around like... Yeah, I mean, I mean in the uh, scene where they're being awakened and the Philosopher's Stones are being inserted into them, mm -hmm. uh, phrasing, because, like, then they just focus all the CG on the, on the mannequins and, you know, like, their faces split open and they're screaming and it sounds awful. And I'm like, okay, okay, maybe the horror of this can be made. Okay, no, they just look awful when yeah. they're actually with other characters. And General Harko is, yes, my children, now we will take over the whole world. Oh, no, they're eating me. 
instantly dies. Yeah, he apparently never had any plan for how to control these mindless zombies. Mm-hmm. It's so incredibly dumb because <laughs> the rest of this movie is literally just all the main characters fighting mindless zombies no one wants activated. Yeah, so these It's thi- a good thing that that light switch that activated the death zombies was so well guarded and defended and well labeled. Apparently just at an abandoned uh, factory that an escaped criminal could get into with no problem. But like, it's so stupid. Uh-huh. And then also Hawkeye and Mustang come in through a side door. Oh no, invincible zombies, Mustang. Ah, yes, destroy the heads. Shoot him in the head. Here, Hawkeye, here's a gun. Don't use it. Just run. And Hawkeye <laughs> proceeds to grab the gun and leave. <laughs> she goes and finds the other soldiers. The badly rendered zombies come to attack them. They set up a firing uh, a firing line. One of the people has a Gatling gun, so I can't imagine that Hawkeye is any more effective than the She has a bolt-action rifle. She fires two bullets. Cut away. Cuts away. away. Cut away. Cuts away to Alphonse punching zombies. Uh, Hawkeye... Uh, Oh, by by the way, by the way, Tucker made Alphonse go to the Door of Truth so he can do uh, Circle Circle of Alchemy now. That that, uh, single sentence from Sam is the exact explanation the uh, movie gives to you, so. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, it does give that explanation twice, but one of it was during Tucker's villain monologue, and... I tuned out halfway through that. It's hard to care about that. The other thing that I want to impress upon in... In this moment, the blocking of this scene is such utter garbage because the uncontrollable death zombies are falling down on Ed's head for the entire scene when they're coming down, and they never touch him. In fact, we never see hide nor hair of Ed until Al saves him from the zombies that weren't even attacking him. And we've had a scene of Alphonse fighting the zombies to then save Ed, who was not... There? In this very small room? Yeah. It's like... It's dumb. It's, it's, so, it's so dumb. So anyway, Hawkeye and the soldiers kill all the zombies. Well, no. Uh, Alphonse traps a bunch of them. In and a then hallway. Gluttony eats them, yeah. And Glut- Gluttony eats all of them because Lust said he could. And because even the homunculi didn't want these things activated? It doesn't make... I don't... It doesn't matter. Well, clearly no one wanted this activated, but no one decided to just disconnect the switch that activated... (laughs) (laughs) There was literally just a switch that turned on the killer zombies that they just left in an abandoned warehouse. Why would you not take the Philosopher's Stones away? Why would you not remove the the connectors between the Philosopher's Stones and the zombies? The Philosopher's Stones still have value, like... The Philosopher's Stones have values, so take them out of the vats, or... Disconnect the tubes. No, Jake. (laughs) Jake, we need our final action scene. We need Mustang to burn Envy and Lust to death. We need a CGI scene that we can just copy paste an enemy a hundred times. Uh-huh. <laughs> because, again, Roy Mustang is the main character, Elric Brothers Who. We have a scene of Ed figures out that the homunculi only have so many lives in their philosopher's stone. In all fairness, he back. figures that out because Lust basically says as much in her monologue. Mm-hmm. 
And also, uh, Envy shows up not fully healed from their burn wounds from earlier, and they're like, hold on, you would have fully healed if you had more lives. Which, upon Ed saying that, uh, I... Immediately freaks out. Yeah, Yeah. Envy's actor does an amazing job of just... uh, Turning like, oh, oh no! And turning around and running—it's a—it's so emotive. Considering <laughs> everything else Envy has done has been just so nonchalant and non-committal. Yeah, and Mustang goes and leaps out and shoots fire and burns Envy. <laughs> God, and uh, it's Envy. just a whole bunch of nonsense. Lust dies the way she does in Brotherhood. You've seen it. You watched the clip You've on YouTube. You've seen a better version of it. <laughs> she has a line as she's dying of like, ah, oh, so even I can die, which would mean something if you'd had any amount of buildup for that. Any philosophical discussion about the humanity of the homunculi? Greed's not in this movie. I guess it The only w- discussion is the fact that, oh, yeah, we can... Yeah, that's the worst part. They think it's paying off the I can this like a human, I can that like a human. Oh, I can also die like a human. That was a passing line from like three and a half minutes prior. It doesn't mean anything. There's nothing deeper than the surface level of I exist. They completely remove the depth of the homunculi. Yep. Which is kind of one of the major points of the entire franchise. It's also kind so of, whoopsie doodle. It's also kind of weird because how the movie is presented, the homunculi are the main villains. Are because the- when um, General Haruko comes in, he seems to indicate that he knows the upper levels of the military are under... He seems to think they're under Lust's control. Yeah. Yeah, that Lust has plants in the higher levels of the military. And, they me- and the Fuhrer is mentioned in passing... Mm-hmm. So, it, again, it's very much the case where it's like, hey, if this somehow is successful and we get a sequel, we can maybe do mm-hmm. stuff later. Wrath will show up, guys! Y'all like Wrath! <laughs> like, please don't even <clears throat> pretend. But, um, what, what actually happens after Lust dies? I'm... Uh, Mustang takes her Philosopher's Stone and is like, it's got one life left in it, Elric. Go, go. give your go give your brother his body back. Yeah. And Alf, Alphonse... Hawkeye runs under the scene like, oh, Mustang, let me dramatically take you away for something. <laughs> yeah. Also, Alphonse's voice actor, which again is probably the dub, uh-huh. uh, this entire scene, I was very confused what his motivation was because I thought he was saying, I thought I thought what um, Ed was going to do was just destroy the stone outright and what he was saying was, no, I really want my body back because that's <laughs> what the... Like dialogue that's the framing, to, yeah, that's the way it's framed. But no, Ed goes to the gate, sees Al's body, which is fully CGI, except for when it's not. Except for when it's not, when it zooms in on his face, and they have an actor with like a real eye, which again is brown. Just have a color contact, <laughs> like. I mean, uh, if you if you've already made the decision to have them blonde hair, brown eyes, you've already made that decision. Yeah, yeah. whatever. It's, like at least be consistent within your media. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. God is like, okay, yeah, give me the philosopher's stone. Your brother has his body back. No, no, because this philosopher's stone has a human soul in it. I guess. And nothing is worth a human soul. You learned the lesson. What? <laughs> He distinctly didn't. Anyway, Al, I'll come back for you. Bye. I saw your body, Al. You didn't bring my body? No. 
I'm gonna fight. Oh, you, you did. You this... did the right thing, brother. Doesn't this conversation happen on a train? No. Oh. No, this is still in the battlefield okay. where Lust died. Gluttony, by the way, just is is slob squatting on a roof. Looks down at the field and goes, "Huh, Lust is dead. I'm gonna run away now." <laughs> Envy's charred body is like against, the, against fence, the fence, looking like a Terminator Two reference. And yeah, no, that's basically where it ends. They say something and then pan and away. Uh, to Alan Winry are playing old or are playing old maid. Yeah, they literally just cut to the train ride I was talking about, yeah. where they talk about. Don't worry. It literally just cuts to a train ride of like Ed going. Don't worry, Al. I'll find another way to get your body back. That isn't a philosopher's stone. I'm like, where where do you go from here? <laughs> Movie's over! Well, not quite, because we get an after-the-credits scene where um, Envy's body chars away to reveal Tiny Envy, who is a little chameleon. Yeah. Which looks very much just like a manga chameleon, which is a weird direction to go. <laughs> no, it, it's what Envy looked like. In the it, manga? It, yeah, it's Envy's true form in the manga. But what... It, why not make it a, a like live-action chameleon, is what I'm saying. It looks like a manga chameleon. They had already spent all of the budget by that point. Yeah. I don't I don't think it's more expensive to not make a live action chameleon than a eh, So live animals on set are always expensive and Oh no, I meant ones. just use a model of a chameleon. They made like a 3D animal. Yeah, okay, that's a good yeah. point. So anyway, we've reached the end of our viewing. I want to die. I don't want to discuss this anymore. <laughs> I don't think I had a favorite character. Uh, Maybe Lust. I feel like Lust's actress put in a decent amount of work with the shit she had to deal with. Hughes, Hughes wasn't bad. Hughes, Hughes wasn't Hughes bad. Hughes is very accurate to his character, actually. Hughes is very accurate to his character, and I think the thing that was the best about Hughes is that he was very accurate to his character, and even with all of the adaptational shenanigans the inevitable nonsense um that he still worked within the story like even the stuff where they're like trying to imply that he might actually be the bad guy uh early on in the movie works for the character as established by the movie and it's Hughes how can you not love him so yep so uh Matt here um I'm gonna say out of what I watched I really appreciated the uh, actor for um Edward he does a lot of good work. Like, mm -hmm. I, I feel like a lot of times the script isn't working in his favor. He did a good job. And I really like the romantic tension they build between him and Winry, despite the fact that never has any form of payoff. But again, not the actor's fault. That, yeah. Like, yeah. they do a good job of establishing there's a romantic connection there with very aromantic scene. Well, the, the dinner party is very romantic. Yeah. But, like, otherwise, very good connection. I think we did a bit of a disservice watching the English dub because, again, Vic Mignogna's performance and the actor's performance are diametrically opposite. They're good in their own ways, yeah. but they are both very different energy. I mean, but if we didn't watch the dub, we wouldn't get the hilariously off. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. Uh, Jay, you have a favorite character? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair answer oh. to the question, quite frankly. So, uh, I'm so, just being honest, though. No. So, uh, <laughs> did anyone enjoy watching this? Yes. Oh, yep. Yeah. So, Jay would uh, recommend watching this. Yes. Um, Not for any plot or any, any sense of like 
actual tried and true loyalty to the franchise is just very entertaining. Yeah, I'm I'm actually with Jay. In the context of if you have a bunch of buddies that you want to laugh at an awful movie with, this is great for that because there were a lot of unintended hilarious scenes that I actually enjoyed the time I spent on it. If you are a deep lover of FMA, it will probably incite rage. Hey Sam, how'd you feel about it? I'm gonna go listen to again and cry. <laughs> yeah, and uh, finally Matt here. I'm gonna side with Sam. I don't think this is worth your time. It's it's bad, but like the funny bad bits are not worth the, the end of this movie. I was just bored. Find a super cut of the best cringe moments on YouTube. Save yourself two hours. Yeah, yeah. That is the other thing about it. It is two hours long. It's two hours and fifteen minutes. Yeah, I, uh, it's, I was it's counting. long. So, anyway, as always, uh, over MangaCast, uh, you can listen to us um, on your podcast app of choice. Uh, go ahead, drop a review wherever you can find it. We really appreciate them. Um, you can follow us for our memes and opinions on at OverMangaCast on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Reach out to us anywhere. We uh, really appreciate it. Subscribe and, on YouTube. Yep. Uh, also, Comments there. YouTube is really good for individual episode comments if you don't want to write a full review, which I can understand. Also, if you have any suggestions for things you'd like us to read in the future, preferably not live-action anime movies. We're kind of doing <laughs> that as a special event. Uh, speaking of which, um, uh, dear listener, next week, you've got another one coming. Unfortunately for us, this is a hell we're all experiencing in a row. <laughs> we're continuing. No watch, no... Er, we're continuing. No read no I wish it was no watch November. <laughs> we're continuing. No read November next week with... What are we watching next? <laughs> Death Note! We are watching the Netflix Death Note, which is not a Japanese movie. It was a Western movie created by Netflix. So, uh, yeah. Uh, I look we'll... forward to a unique version of Cringe. Yep. So, um, go ahead. If you want to uh, share in our uh, Cringe, go ahead. Watch that by next week. It's available on Netflix, as I've said three times now for some reason. Uh, sponsored, not sponsored. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we but, wish. Um, <laughs> hey Netflix Hey Netflix We're gonna Probably not do good things To your movie next week Yeah <laughs> uh, Good night everybody Yep Good, good night. night Good night Good night everybody